It's June 1st, 2022. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan addresses his loyal followers in Ankara. The president says, Once again, I declare that we are now entering a new phase of commitment to construct a safety zone 30 kilometers deep throughout our southern borders. We are cleaning Tel Rafat and Manjib of terrorists. A short burst of applause erupts from his Justice and Development Party. Turkey, once again, is launching a military incursion into northern Syria. Legitimate security operations, according to Erdogan, will create safe zones in Ankara's war-torn neighbour. This will facilitate the return of Syrian refugees and placate local Kurdish forces accused of collaborating with the terrorist Kurdistan Workers' Party, the PKK, he says. In the face of spiralling approval ratings amid a protracted currency crisis, Erdogan, it seems, is seizing his long-awaited chance to advance Turkish interests among the Kurdish-held regions of northern Syria. With Russia distracted by its invasion of Ukraine, and Ankara bolstered by the diplomatic leverage afforded by its NATO membership, is this a window of opportunity Erdogan can't afford to miss? Or is it a damning political miscalculation at the expense of human lives? For Syrians facing further displacement, or Syrian Kurds under a renewed attack, what does this offensive mean for them, their freedoms and autonomy? And will the West, now embroiled in a battle against Russia, get directly involved? I'm Rosie McCabe. Welcome to the New Arab Voice. So Turkey has said that it will undertake an incursion into northern Syria. This is Stephen Cook, Senior Fellow for Middle East and North African Studies at the Council of Foreign Relations. The goal of this incursion will be to create a 30-kilometer wide security, essentially, zone, security belt in northern Syria, and that that would be a place to facilitate what Erdogan is calling the voluntary transfer of Syrians who are in Turkey, in which the numbers are now about three and a half million, 3.75 million Syrians who have sought refuge in Turkey. Um, the targets of the incursion are uh, towns Tel Abyad and Manbij, and possibly Kobane. This is not the first time Turkey has launched a military operation into northern Syria. Since 2016, Ankara has orchestrated a series of military operations the most famous being Operation Peace Spring in 2019 and Operation Olive Branch in 2018. The publicly declared objective of these border incursions was to combat Kurdish militants fighting under the flag of the People's Defence Units, or YPG. This is the primary military branch of the Syrian Democratic Forces. Turkey has long accused the Kurdish-dominated group of having close ties with the outlawed PKK. This is the fourth military incursion into northern Syria. Now, it hasn't happened yet, although the preparations for it are clearly happening. There's reports of a constant kind of exchange of artillery fire between Turkish-backed forces and Syrian YPG. 
as well as uh, drone surveillance on the part of the Turks. By all measures, it seems quite imminent. And if you go by the statements of U.S. officials who have warned Turkey against any destabilizing action, this is likely to happen in the coming days. What is Turkey's historic relationship with the PKK and YPG? And how has this relationship fueled conflict in Syria, as well as in other Middle Eastern states, such as Iraq? I spoke to Dana Taib Menmi, who is based in northern Iraq, and often writes for the New Arab to get some answers. The PKK is a Kurdish political party established by uh, President leader Abdullah Ocalan. Since establishment, uh, the PKK has been fighting the Turkish state. Thousands of Kurdish guerrillas and Turkish soldiers have been killed in the war since early 18th of the last century. The Kurds are an ethnic group spread across Turkey, Iran, Iraq and Syria. Currently, several groups and militants who share the goal of Kurdish sovereignty are fighting against the Turks. The Kurds accuse the Turkish state of denying them basic rights and political representation. The Turkish state sees Kurdish groups as a national security threat. Some of these groups are affiliated with the PKK, others are more independent. In northern Syria, Turkish focus has been concentrated on the YPG. The YPG uh, is different because they have fought the ISIS terrorists in Syria and uh, defeated ISIS uh, with the cooperation and help from the international coalition. Uh, and they say they are not uh, directly connected to the PKK and not giving orders from the PKK. They have their own leadership, their administration, but share one goal that they believe in the ideologies of Abdullah Ocalan, that uh, democratization for Kurds in Syria, Iraq, Turkey. For Turkey, the YPG and PKK are the same. They brand them all as terrorists that threaten national security. Hence, a military operation against YPG strongholds is a necessary measure of self-defense. However, the United States and Europe see things differently. They have listed the PKK as a terrorist organization, but see the YPG as a separate entity that does not require a terrorist designation. Indeed, the YPG form a central part of the Western-backed Syrian Defense Forces in the fight against the Islamic State. On top of this, some Kurdish elements have, at times, expressed a willingness to normalize relations with Assad's forces in exchange for certain demands relating to Kurdish sovereignty. While remaining fundamentally opposed to each other, they share a common enemy in Turkey. You know, Turkey is a NATO member and have strong military forces and drones, fighter jets. The SDA forces and YPG cannot eventually defend their areas unless the U.S. and the international community intervene. Syrian Kurds may be obliged to ally with their Assad regime in order to, to defend uh, their existence. For Dana, Turkey's proposed operation in northern Syria is an extension of Ankara's existing operations in northern Iraq. In April this year, Ankara launched Operation Clawlock to target PKK hideouts in Iraq. It claimed dozens of Kurdish operatives were neutralised. Turkey sees the autonomous administration in northern Syria, uh, known as Rojava, as a threat to its existence and sees that any autonomous administration in northern Syria, northern Iraq, is a direct threat to the Turkish state. What is the reason for Turkey's renewed offensive now? 
the 2023 general election, says Dana. That's the reason. That's why Erdogan wants to, to say to, his, to the Turkish people that, that we are in danger and there's a threat against our state. And people not uh, demonstrate against rising prices of, I mean, inflation rates and the devaluation of the Turkish lira. All these factors are leading Erdogan to try to invade more territory before next year's elections. Next year's election promises to be a difficult battle for Erdogan, who faces circling opposition parties gaining more and more appeal amongst the disgruntled electorate. In January this year, opinion polls revealed that more Turks believed an opposition alliance was better suited than Erdogan to ending the country's economic turmoil and restoring growth and stability. The planned incursion in northern Syria, therefore, can be seen as a timely political manoeuvre with widespread populist appeal. Stephen again. I think there's a lot that's going on that's connected to Turkish domestic politics. The Syrian refugees have worn out their welcome, especially as the economy in Turkey has deteriorated. And Erdogan, who is looking forward to presidential elections in mid-2023, is trying to cover his nationalist flank. And as those Syrian refugees have become more and more unpopular, as the economy has gotten worse and worse, this idea of moving Syrians back into Syria that's been kind of bouncing around Turkish political elite for quite some time is now seemingly being put into action. Ankara has been toying with the idea of returning refugees to Syria since 2018, despite continued fighting and widely documented human rights abuses committed by Assad's regime. Turkey is home to 4 million refugees, including around 3.7 million Syrians. On the one hand, Erdogan pledged never to send Syrians back by force, as part of his anti-Assad position. However, as part of its safe zone policy, the Turkish state says it will build up to 100,000 homes in northern Syria. It claims this will facilitate the voluntary transfer of refugees, 500,000 of whom have already gone back. This figure has not been corroborated internationally. Now, I don't think about going back because they destroyed our house in Damascus and the situation is very bad there. I'm a single mother with four children. How can I rebuild my house? Among the Turkish electorate, a tough stance on refugees is widely supported. An opinion poll last year found that 70% of Turks would vote for a party with a hardline migrant policy. For the Kurds, the policy constitutes a form of ethnic cleansing. Traditionally Kurdish towns and cities will be repopulated with Arab communities under this policy. While Arab communities need a place of refuge after bombardment by Assad's forces, Kurds are insistent that they too are entitled to a home, a sense of community, and the right to political representation and governance. For Syrians in Turkey, Erdogan's military operation and respective safe zones offer little but uncertainty and danger. So I think that it's something that won't necessarily lead to suboptimal outcomes for Turks who have been hosting Syrian refugees in a large number for quite some time, but of course will lead to suboptimal outcomes for those Syrian refugees who are pushed back into Syria and into this area that will be under some sort of Turkish control, but obviously under attack by Syrian Kurdish forces. And the Turks are obviously aligned themselves with their own Syrian proxies who have not always upheld standards of conduct in these areas. They tend to be Arab fighters rather than Kurdish fighters. But of course, you know, from Erdogan's electoral prospects, 
it's good for him. There are analysts, however, who say Turkey's planned military incursion in Syria has little, if nothing, to do with next year's election. Of course, appeasing an electorate with widespread anti-immigrant views is part of the jigsaw. But to understand the root and timing of this operation, they say, you need to look outside Turkey. This is not about the Turkish government looking forward to the election. This is Omar Oztilik, a foreign policy and security analyst based in Ankara. But more about the opportunities provided by the change in the international system and the change of power balance in Syria. Could Turkey announce uh, such an interpretation? The answer would be no. And last year, in 2021, Turkey actually tried to launch a new military operation against the YPG in Syria, together with the Syrian government. But this operation was prevented after a collaboration between the United States of America and Russia, in which the American side opened the airspace in the east of the Euphrates River to Russian fighter jets, and thus changed the power balance in the region. Indeed. Reports from November last year say Turkey suspended plans for a new military operation in northern Syria, following pressure from Russia and the United States. What makes this operation possible at the moment, if it uh, will occur, we still don't know, will be the Ukraine war, not possible upcoming elections. Last year, we did not have an election period, but Turkey still wants to launch this operation. So this is something government, the Turkish public, the Turkish institution are pushing for, but they try to find the best window of opportunity as other stakeholders and other nations' interests have to be considered. Moscow, whose alliance with Assad helped turn the tide of Syria's war against opposition forces, is distracted by a drawn-out battle of attrition in Ukraine. On top of this, Turkey has closed the Bosporus and Dardanelles Straits to warships, so Russia cannot support a Syria presence via the sea. Ankara also closed its airspace to Russian civilian and military planes flying to Syria in April this year. Then there's also America. On the other side, the Americans have, with the Ukraine war, remembered the importance of Turkey and the, important, the geopolitical value of Turkey and thus provided with Turkey with a new opportunity to press for its own interests in Syria. So it might be that Americans would be less likely or more reluctant to break their relation with Turkey over the situation in Syria. Rather than having its security concerns overlooked and ignored by the West, Ankara has harnessed its geopolitical value during the Ukraine crisis to gain newfound diplomatic leverage. A plausible argument that can be applied to Syria and other issues making global headlines. For example, Turkey's reaction to Sweden and Finland's NATO bids. So Turkey's position to block Sweden and Finland's NATO bid has to do with the solidarity of NATO. And I don't think that Turkey will engage in a quid pro quo regarding a possible Syria military operation. NATO is not a golf club or unity or economic unity. It's a security alliance and the most important maybe in the history. And this requires solidarity. So Sweden and Finland think that they are under existential threat from Russia. And due to this threat, they have changed their own position and now trying to seek the protection of NATO. If they join, it will be NATO who provides them security, not the way, other way around. Turkey is saying, we as a principle support the open door policy of NATO, 
but we demand NATO allies and NATO members to respect all of the security concerns of all nations. Turkey has objected to Finland and Sweden joining NATO on the grounds that they provide refuge to people linked to the PKK and because they halted arms exports to Turkey in 2019. Ankara has called on the Nordic countries to end their support to the PKK and other associated groups, to extradite those sought by Turkey on terrorism charges, lift all arms exports and support Ankara's military and counter-terrorism operations. Sweden in particular, which has a hung parliament where an independent Kurdish-born MP holds a decisive vote, is often singled out as the biggest supporter of the YPG, something Turkey wants to end immediately. So Sweden has actually nothing important to do in Syria, but still they are continuing the support for the YPG. They are one of the most important financial supporters of the YPG in Syria. And this is something the Turks say, NATO is an defense alliance and it requires solidarity. And we want to see the solidarity and we want to see that our national security concerns are respected. Turkey has been adamant that it will not approve NATO bids until Sweden and Finland meet its demands saying Nordic countries may have to change their laws in order to achieve this. Foreign policy expert Stephen Cook, however, has a slightly different take on what's behind Ankara's NATO bid obstruction. Two kind of broader comments about this. First, I think that the obstacles that Turkey is raising over Sweden and Finland's bid to become members of NATO is really about a broader negotiation with the United States rather than a negotiation with Sweden and Finland. The reasons that Turkey raises for its objections that, you know, somehow because there are pro-PKK activists in Helsinki and Stockholm, that this is a threat to Turkish security is doesn't really wash. How interested is Turkey in, in Swedish or, or, or Finnish-made weaponry? Uh, Turkey has been in a, a long-term effort to develop its own defense industrial base. That's not to say that it doesn't source from other countries, but that's, you know, these reasons are really secondary. What Turkey wants is F-16s from the United States to possibly be readmitted to the F-35 program. Turkey made a request to the United States in October to buy 40 Lockheed Martin-made F-16 fighters and nearly 80 modernization kits for its existing warplanes. Last month, the Biden administration asked Congress to approve the sale of weapons and equipment to update Turkey's fleet of American-made F-16 fighter jets. The sale of US weapons to NATO ally Turkey became contentious after Ankara acquired Russian-made S-400 defense missile systems, triggering US sanctions, as well as Turkey's removal from the F-35 fighter jet program. You know, Turkey remains a critically important NATO ally, but it also wants to have an independent foreign policy. It no longer wants to be seen as just an asset or an appendage to NATO on the alliance's southeastern flank. So part of what Erdogan is doing is demonstrating that he is, in vernacular terms, in vernacular American terms, a big dog in the alliance, like the United States, like the UK, and can really call the shots by ensuring that what other members desperately want, Turkey can slow down the process. Turkey a big dog on the global stage, so to speak, has, following this logic, been emboldened by Russia's invasion and the oscillating global political environment to pursue a Turkey-first agenda, at home, in NATO and in Syria. And how will the world respond? Back to Omar. 
the real position Turkey may face is in regards to Russia and the United States of America. And this is something Turkey will have to consider before launching this operation. Firstly, the Russian military is present in these areas and they are actively protecting the YPG. So Turkey launching a military operation to these areas would mean that Russia would lose a sphere of influence, an area of influence in Syria. So it would draw back Russia. When it comes to America, Omar says the US reaction will be different depending on specific regions in northern Syria. Secondly, the American sanctions might be a posing factor as well. At the moment, it's been said by the Turkish president that a new military operation may be launched to Tarifat and Membij. So we have to differentiate between these territories because when Turkey and the Syrian interim government launch a military operation to Tarifat, from the American side, there will be no reaction. However, if Turkey launches a military operation to Membij, then the American side will automatically impose sanctions against Turkey as uh, under presidential decree uh, declared by Trump and then extended by Trump, uh, Biden. When asked about responses to any Syria incursion, US foreign policy expert Stephen said the reality of what a Western reaction will look like is unclear. Yes, Turkey will face fierce criticism, but no one wants to place sanctions on the Turkish economy. In fact, when the State Department said that Turkey shouldn't do this, and unspecified further actions, people on social media were asking what that is. And my response was, well, then at that time, we'll express our grave concern over what the Turks have done. There's really no, there's, I don't think the United States is really prepared to take any action against Turkey on this, which is one of the reasons why I think that they're going to undertake these operations in Syria. There's no, there's really no credible policy that the United States is going to threaten, no less undertake that it's going to keep the Turks out of northern Syria, especially since the way in which they define the threat and define the problem of Syrian refugees within Turkey. The most likely scenario, it seems, is a hesitant and lacklustre Western approach to a Turkish military operation in Syria, especially given the costs of solidarity with Ukraine. This approach will do little to counteract Turkish aggression. Instead, inaction and incoherency especially between Washington and European capitals over their approach to the Kurds, will likely precipitate greater tension between the West and Ankara. For the Kurds, who face the militarily superior Turkish forces and their proxies, this leaves them with fewer options and even fewer allies. Dana, again. Unfortunately, the Kurds have a bitter history with the West. We saw in the past years the Kurds feel that they have been betrayed by the West. The U.S. administration may have uh, political pressures on Turkey to top its planned operation against Kurds in Syria. But eventually, I don't think the U.S. will be engaged militarily in order to stop Turkey. This proves the famous saying or quote that Kurds have no friends, just the mountains. The result, says Dana, will not facilitate the return of refugees to Syria, but trigger a further exodus of people across the Middle East. I think in any military incursion into northern Syria, there will, there will be a, a mass refugee influx in those areas uh, towards the Kurdistan region or uh, the cities under Assad regime. That's the situation because civilians are fleeing the, the war everywhere. Civilians in those areas have no, no power or no will to fight the Turkish state.
The New Era Voice is produced and written by me, Rosie McCabe, with help from Hugo Goodridge, Benjamin Ashraf, and Aisha Aldris. Our theme music was by Omar El Phil. The New Era Voice is now on summer break for the next few weeks. Our next episode comes out on July 1st. Until then, you can find all our previous episodes on all major podcast platforms. You can also check out our Instagram page and Twitter account, both at The New Era Voice, for additional content. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And you can also rate and review, which helps us spread the word. Don't forget to follow The New Arab on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for all the latest news from the region. <laughs>